Hello, I'm Marcus Railton, and this is the Scots Care Podcast. Scots Care is the only charity dedicated to helping disadvantaged Scots in London through a range of support, including mental health therapy, financial grants, advocacy, sheltered housing for older Scots, job coaching, social events, befriending, and support for children and families. The charity's been running for 400 years to help break the cycle of poverty experienced by some Scots. In this series of the Scots Care podcast, I'll be chatting to celebrities and supporters of the charity that have also forged a life in the capital away from home and about the ups and downs that can bring. On the programme today is the comedian, writer and actor Eleanor Morton. Time Out has hailed her as a rising star, while The Guardian have called her charmingly whimsical. She's not afraid of being at the sharp end of comedy, having performed numerous times at the Edinburgh Festival and always to rave reviews. Her Twitter feed has over 120,000 subscribers, with her beautifully subtle comedy videos regularly attracting tens of thousands of views. It's a delight to be able to speak to her today. Scott's Care. Hi, Eleanor. Hi. Thanks for doing this. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. It's a kind of new thing for us. Uh-huh. Uh, the thing I had was that you've moved back to Edinburgh. Yeah, <laughs> sort of uh, not really the not really what the podcast is about. But yeah, I uh, I was in London for eight years and I moved back on Monday. What kind of drove that? Because I do, I, I shouldn't say this out loud because I was born and brought up in Glasgow, but I do love Edinburgh. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I think it always struck me as a really weird rivalry because I think there's such different cities that uh, you can't really compare them. But yeah, I... Uh, I'd always wanted to live back at, in Edinburgh since I've never lived here as an adult. I've only lived here as a child and I've uh, I just I just really like it. I mean, if you like it, you get why. And also my my landlady was selling, so I kind of had to move. Yeah. I like the fact <laughs> and, that you can you can kind of walk about it. It feels oh, you can't you certainly can't park, but you can certainly walk <laughs> about it and it feels really comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a nice compact city and um I'm lazy, so yeah, I like a I like a place I can walk around in half an hour, you know. Now let's let's get the elephant in the room out of the way because I know you. <laughs> I, I've watched a lot of your your stuff, and you do yeah. mention the accent. You just don't sound. Yeah. Why don't you sound Scottish? It's uh it's a number of boring reasons. My parents are both well, so yeah. My dad is was brought up in London, so my parents are both brought up in England by Scottish families. So yeah. I've kind of got this unfair thing where I've got an accent that doesn't really kind of uh make any sense but yeah. um yeah I mean you you know Edinburgh you know it's full of English people anyway so I think it's not as if I was um surrounded by heavy heavy accents to to make me change mine but yeah it's not a it's not a very exciting story <laughs> it's just yeah. uh what happens with a lot of people I think you kind of um ma- families move up and down and where, where do you feel at home? Because you know what? I was having this conversation with my friend Debbie the other day, and she's a fellow yeah. Scot, and she lives in yeah. she lives in London. Yeah. And she said she goes home. She actually she she's from Bucky and in, in Aberdeen. Oh yeah. And uh, she says, when I go home to to Bucky, yeah. I love it, but I don't think I could be there anymore. And then when ah. I come back, when I come back to London, I love it, but I I don't feel a hundred percent English and a Londoner. Yeah. I'm kind of trapped in this this kind of nether world. I know what she means. I I think I I did enjoy living in London, but I never felt it's such a massive place. It's hard to feel a hundred percent at home there. But 
I think Edinburgh definitely. That's kind of an easy choice for me because um, I just really like everything about Edinburgh. Well, not everything, obviously, but um, it. I, <laughs> I think if you're from Bucky, it's uh, you're gonna have a really. It's that's a real difference. London and Bucky are very different places, and also oh, like maybe if you're from Bucky, you just deserve whatever you get, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, once you've lived in London, it's going to be hard to go back to somewhere like that and kind of feel like mm. you're still with everything that's happening, you know, whereas yeah. Edinburgh's got a bit more going on. I think I can say that. that's not controversial if I say that Edinburgh's a bit more exciting than Bucky, is it? I think that's I think I don't think anyone could argue with you. <laughs> yeah. When you said eight years in London, when you first moved, was there a culture shock for you? Because I, I mean, I moved from Glasgow. I think I, I was yeah. 28 when I moved. I, I've been here 20 years and yeah. I still remember one of the first days I was sitting in a Pret-a-Manger. <laughs> it was just off uh, Well Street in Soho and I had bought oh, a yeah. copy. I, but this is so long ago. I'd actually, I was looking for a flat and I bought a copy of Loot because you didn't go online then. You actually looked at a newspaper to find a flat. Yeah. And I, I bought a sandwich and everything just seemed so fast and so crazy and so expensive. And I was absolutely yeah. terrified. Yeah, it was, uh, I'd not been to London until, the first time I ever went was when I was 16, and I moved when I was 22, and I think because I'm from a very small city, it was it was just mad, it was, I remember being on the tube and just being so overwhelmed by like, how many people were there, how fast everything was, how everyone kind of, you know, they, they just, they want you to get out of their way, and then the other stuff was just weird, like I didn't expect, like the the opening hours really threw me off. For a city that's meant to be like one of the major capitals of the world, they they close at like eleven on a Saturday, and and that was that was confusing. And also like a couple a couple of shops I'd never seen before, and and also being in in the in the really fancy bits, just never having seen that much wealth and stuff was kind of weird. Like Edinburgh's got fancy bits, but they're not big enough that you kind of lose sight of anything, you know. Whereas in London, you can go into like I don't know. Chelsea or wherever all the designer shops are and you kind of feel like this is this is mad this is completely different yeah I know uh, there are moments yeah. where you walk through Knightsbridge and it's it's a different existence altogether isn't it yeah and I also will say the levels of homelessness I think really uh threw me a bit like I was not ex I'd never lived anywhere before where there was that much you know homelessness um yeah and it was quite yeah that, that was quite tricky really difficult to look at yeah, and do you know what? When I go back, I I grew up in Glasgow, as I said, and I I didn't yeah. see that much. But you see, when I go back to Glasgow now, I yeah. I, I see lots of homeless in Glasgow. Yeah, again, which, which I and I don't know whether now I've not forgotten about it. It 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 just wasn't there, and it's yeah it's kind of back with a vengeance. And it's I think it's so. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It it was just just getting used to everything. Really was, but it, you know, it was also a real novelty of being in a place that you'd seen on TV and uh, <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. famous pe places that you've you know heard about that you actually get to go to it was quite exciting because I'm really into history so it was really cool to be in, in a place where all these things happened that you'd heard about Scots Care working to make London life better for Scots and their children well can I talk about your career and how you actually made this was there a, a kind of defining moment when you said to your mum and dad I'm going to be a comedian and they went oh no don't do that because it's not it's not an easy career choice to make no it's uh it's definitely not but they have I think my parents are pretty pretty nice they were kind of like I think they were aware that if they didn't 
sort of support whatever I was doing, I would do it anyway. So they might as well be nice about it. But um, no, I think when I was like 14, 15, I always wanted to be a performer. And then I kind of got into comedy, uh, stand up. People like Dylan Moran and Bill Bailey were quite big at that time. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just felt like it would really be something I wanted to try. Uh, and I do remember the first time I told my mom, I think she was a bit like, uh, okay. Like, I don't think she pictured that something I'd be <laughs> any good at or something I would enjoy doing. I think she thought it was quite a scary thing to do. So I think it's a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, yeah. See, do you know what? I I, had to, I was listening to a comedian and it was, it, it was uh, Gilbert Gottfried who passed away recently. Yeah. He was talking about material that you do. Uh-huh. And I wonder. I thought, oh, I get to ask Eleanor this. Yeah. And he was talking about you do material and you go in and he goes and you kill and it's brilliant and it does so well. <laughs> and then you go on and you do the same jokes on a yeah. different venue the night after yeah. and you just die. Have you? Yeah. Have you ever had that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, not not constantly, but but enough to know. Uh, I think all comedians do. They have, you know, you might not like kill it one night and die the next you definitely get different re- levels of reaction and it's it's kind of about like how much faith you have in your material yeah. you know if it, if it always dies you should probably stop doing it but um <laughs> but if it, <laughs> if, it does, <laughs> if it's not funny don't do it yeah if it's uh if it generally does well you're probably you're you know the audience are probably the ones who are in the wrong headspace that night it, it, there's so many different reasons you can die you can die because you're not funny but you can die because like the room is a bit weird uh, or the audience are too drunk or uh, just, you know, lots of, or, you know, they're just, you're not what they were expecting. Yeah. So yeah, you've really just got to go in and hope for the best, I suppose. Do you think it's, is it getting tougher? You know, I, I read on social media a lot about woke comedy and things you can see and things you can't see. Are you, when you write new material, are you uh-huh. aware of, Oh, maybe I, or how far can I push the envelope? I suppose I've never really, you know, I never, the thing is, I think comedy, the important thing is it should be funny more than anything else. And um, if, if you, if you're just there to shock people or upset them, I think, yeah, you get a reaction, but you've not, you've not really done your job. So Mm. I I think I just like, I like what's funny or what I think is funny. And um, I, I, you know, I'm not really an edgy comedian, so it's not like I've ever had to kind of go, Oh, I hope, I hope this is uh uh, I hope no one's going to get upset by this, but I think you can say, the thing is you can make a joke about anything you want, absolutely anything you want. It all depends on how good you are at making jokes and how you frame it. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a misconception that we can't say anything. I don't think that's true. I think, I think it's more that it's more that, you know, you've got the freedom of speech to say whatever you want and the audience have the freedom of speech to maybe not enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so, so no, I, I don't, I don't find it, trickier but um you know I think I think we're rethinking how we do comedy and and what what it means to who the who the subjects are and and, and things like that and I think that's good I think it's good to talk about that kind of stuff because you know it, it's always changing it's 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 a it's a media it's the medium that dates the the, the fastest so yes. Yes. you're always going to make sure you're kind of trying something new I, I remember seeing you mentioned Dylan Moran I remember seeing Dylan Moran at the Edinburgh Festival in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of my kind of first experiences of going to see proper live stand-up. Yeah. And I thought he was brilliant. I thought I thought he is he's the best thing I've ever seen. But I think he has quite a dark sense of mm. humor. And yeah. And then and then and on to that, I was, I was talking to someone the other day 
who is a TV director for big live shows. And he, he had this theory that the more intense your job is, you tend to have a darker sense of humor, like nurses or firemen. Oh, or yeah. Policemen. Or, Definitely. Or, or sometimes comedians. And do you think that kind of lends itself to a dark sense of humor? Yeah, I actually, I think I have a really dark sense of humor. I, I don't think I'm like a an offensive or edgy comedian, but I think I have a very, I enjoy, I think because I'm quite, I think also you've got a dark sense of humor. I'm quite an anxious person. Mm. You know, I'm quite scared of the world. And I think humor is a is a way of me tackling that. So I like to kind of try and turn anything you can into I think it's just, you know, it's the way, it's a coping mechanism. It's like as human beings, there is a point where you have to laugh at stuff because otherwise you kind of go a bit mad. And um, I totally think that, you know, I have friends who are uh, doctors and I have, I have friends who have kind of jobs like that. And yeah, they, they absolutely have really dark sense of humor because, because you have to, otherwise, you know, it would just, it would be such a, you couldn't do the job, I don't think. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes what makes really good comedians, great comedians, is that they can see the dark, which seems kind of ironic that they can see the dark side of life, but that's what makes mm. them funny. Yeah. I think there's a kind of, you know, there's a kind of collective feeling when we can all laugh at something that we're all also struggling with, maybe it really helps. Like people deal with that kind of stuff, like during, I don't know, just trying to think during the Second World War, you know, there was lots of making fun of of the enemy and stuff and that was that was because people were also really scared and they didn't want to yeah think about you know how much how scary everything was so yeah it makes sense and i think today we we, we live in this you know I, i've got three children and i kind of worry about my children growing up in this this society where everything you know you have an insta life and what you see on facebook yeah does it absolutely reflect uh and it, it reflect reality and everybody's perfect and all photos are photoshopped and and kind of what I, I, I liked about a lot of the stuff I watched about yours is you you tap into the insecurities of life and <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think that's what the audience really re- reacts to kind of went oh yeah it's it's okay to fail or to not be perfect yeah I, I think so I think the thing about comedy is it can't be too polished or perfect because it's just not as fun you know the the nicer it looks the less funny it is and I think um I do think there's, I, I'm so glad I'm not a teenager today. I mean, being a teenager like 15 years ago was hard, but I can't imagine the, I don't know how old your kids are, but like, you know, the social media that they are exposed to um, and just this kind of pressure to be the best at everything and, and the, you know, the best version of yourself is is crazy. So yeah, mm. the, the, there's a real, there's a, I guess you get to play around with that with comedy because you're holding up a mirror for, to to that kind of stuff and saying hey it's actually it's not perfect and it's kind of funny isn't it that it's not and perfect it's okay to be not perfect and yeah I think one of the things you did is, is you were t- you were talking about trying stuff and not sticking at it that really touched a nerve with me yeah I I want to be one of these people because I you know I, we're a member of a, a gym which you know I just don't go to and <laughs> and when I, when I do go I go once and then I go three months later and I still see the same people and they're doing the same thing and they look fantastic and yeah I and you know and it's I want to stick at stuff and can't and I love the stuff that you were talking about about that kind of smugness of people that do yoga and that just I <laughs> yeah. love that well I think there's uh there's a trend just now that um it's called that girl and it's sort of a millennial trend where 20 something girls kind of post their whole perfect lives on on social media you know their breakfasts and their meditations and their workouts and everything and it's um it's just mad that we've, uh, yeah, we're, we're totally expecting people 
people, I think people do have a sense of achievement about those things. Not that it's bad, but you know, it's, it's also funny because we get so competitive about everything and it's, it's uh, just because uh, someone else is really good at the gym doesn't mean, doesn't really have any reflection on any of us, but we have this obsession as a society where we're all kind of trying to outdo each other and then obviously failing or lying to ourselves about it because uh it's hard transparent isn't it these days because everything's online and everything's yeah visible well yeah yeah it used to be like if you failed at your diet or whatever no one needed to know but now it's kind of like if you've been tracking it progress your progress on instagram or whatever then everyone there's there's so much more incentive it's pressure to be perfect and that's really scary i think yeah. what i loved that you said i actually laughed out loud at was that you talk about achieving the same level of smugness through yoga by just carrying the rolled up mat around underneath yeah, your yeah. arm and you, the phrase you used was was it burrito of privilege mm. that is genius that thank is you yeah i like the uh well i used to live in in london the last place i lived in was in lavender hill which was a very yummy mummy place and i just felt a bit <laughs> just going out in my normal clothes to go to the shops was just felt like um depressing because everyone <laughs> is very kind of upper middle class yummy mummies they've all got their workout gear on you know lots of professionals and it uh just you know I, I could I stopped jogging because uh I just felt like uh I was doing it wrong because I um wasn't as as perfect as these people so yeah, uh, I get that. When I turn up to pick up my kids, it's like everybody looks like they're just ram ready sweaty Betty. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And my it's... kids turn out, and you know, and they still got like porridge in their hair for the morning. And it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's the thing about London as well. It's it's got you know places like that that you don't that you get in Scotland, but again, not on the same scale. So yeah. And what I also like that you were talking about is is just the ability to be stronger in yourself and and still. And having having principles like you 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 did this piece about the meeting a racist woman on the train. Oh yeah, that's where right. You you really wanted to say that's not right. You can't you can't <laughs> say these things. I don't believe in that. You're completely out of order. But you ended up not really saying these things yeah. at all. You know, not agreeing with her, of course. But you no, know, just, no. but not having the guts to or, or being too polite. Do you think is that what we are? Yeah, and I also think I also think in your head you always you always imagine what you'd be like in a situation like that. And, um, you know, it's, you never live up to your own expectations because o- often people aren't, you know, she wasn't trying to be um, antagonistic or aggressive. Uh, she was, she thought I was going to agree with her. So, yeah, I think, I think you can just be caught off guard. And also there is like a, definitely a politeness there where in, in Britain in general, I think we're all a bit awkward about everything yeah. to, the, to the point where we kind of, you know, we'd rather uh, sneak away. So I don't know. I mean, Maybe if I met her again, it would be different, but I doubt that will happen. Well, this this so. is it, yeah. What is it? The French have a, a phrase for that, don't they? They call it the spirit of the stairs. The spirit that was it? Esprit oh, yes, yes, yeah, is, yeah. It's, it's the smart thing you thought of after you've left the exactly. room. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we all have this idea of ourselves as, oh, I'd say that or I'd do that, but actually most of the time you wouldn't. You'd, <laughs> yeah. you'd uh, run away. Do you know what? I, and I don't, I don't know what kind of person that makes you if you do say these things. I, I used to work with a guy and... He was very good at saying no, and mm. you would say, "You would say, Alan, do you do you want to do you want to do this?" Or Alan, and you go, "No, I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'm not going to do that." And he'd be like, "Alan, are you coming for a coffee?" No, I don't want to come for a coffee. That's it. And he would, and he tell you, <laughs> he would tell you really still. So he'd be phenomenally blunt, and there was part of me that kind of envied it, but yeah. You know, and there was another part where a lot of people just didn't like him because I think to a certain extent 
you have to be polite in society, don't you? Yeah, you do. You well, and and again, especially in in Britain, we're very um overly polite. And uh, yeah, I think I think we especially get a bit freaked out when people are very uh, blunt like that. Even though it, it probably saves everyone a lot of time and effort, <laughs> you know, if people just say exactly <laughs> what they think. Because um, I know quite a few um, people from, uh, and not to generalize about Europeans, but most of the Europeans I've ever met are very are much clearer. You know, they're much less yes. into. Uh, sort of pussyfooting around things and um I kind of like it I think because I personally am bad at, at yeah at confrontational or being I'm trying to get better at you know saying no and being good at that but yeah I, I definitely admire people who because the thing is like if people don't like him because he does that he probably doesn't care and that's also kind of refreshing yeah. you know Scott's Care helping to break the cycle of deprivation for Scots in London can we go back and talk about um, social mm -hmm. media? Because I was, I was looking at your, your social media presence, your Twitter feed. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, you do have a, a beautifully gentle style on there. And you also <laughs> nail the Scottish accent phenomenally. Thank, the stuff, thank you. you know, there's, there's a few of them, which I, said, I was just thinking, oh, they were killing me. The stuff about the distillery. and Yeah, yeah. Craig, the tour guide. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Stirling Castle. It's, it's just beautiful stuff. And if, you know, if anyone's listening to this, go and look at it because it, it's great. But your views are through the roof. The last time I looked at the distillery one, it was 2.3 million views. Yeah, it, it, that one really um, took off, I think, probably because it's quite a familiar concept. I think it it's quite, it, I think Americans were really into it. I think they've all been on distillery tours so they yeah. could... Uh, they knew what was happening <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's been kind of crazy it's kind of it all started in lockdown when I was you know bored and, and not obviously working live so trying to keep creative and um just started doing what I thought was funny basically on 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 Twitter and uh yeah it, it blew up and it's 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 quite it's quite cool and, and kind of strange to see how attached people can get to uh to that character specifically Yes, um, and how hard do you have to work at getting the numbers? Is is that something separate that you do you have a kind of like personal marketing plan to push the numbers up? Oh, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm savvy enough for that. But I do. I mean, with that kind of thing, you can kind of never tell what's going to do well and what isn't. Um, but I do try and post regularly because uh, you know I think it's people like when you're consistent, so they mm. they know they can come back and watch more. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any secret formula i think it's just a mixture of yeah. good luck and sometimes you get retweeted by people who who have a big following and and that's really cool and that means more people will see it um but yeah just to, just as long as people enjoy it really and we were talking about how social media can be a real double-edged sword are you able yeah. to you know and people tend to lose their minds a little on social media <laughs> are you able to keep that at arm's length from anyone who criticizes so. you or do, do you take these things personally or do you just not read them well, I it really depends what people say. I think some some stuff doesn't bother me because it's kind of like I don't think it's true or I just, you know, it's not something that touches a nerve. But I think, you know, there's that old saying of like never take never take uh, criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from or, or whatever it was. So, yeah, I, I mean, when people are just deliberately nasty, that's kind of like that's almost more hurtful in a way because they've set out to upset you. But it's also... It should also be less hurtful because, you know, they're just being, they're, they're obviously unhappy. Um, I try, I try my best to not get too 
caught up in it because you can you can completely absolutely live online mm. and um it's very easy to get caught up in it but i'm trying my best not to because i think ultimately i just want to do what i do and people will enjoy it or they won't enjoy it and that's that's cool i do think it's odd when people feel the need to comment stuff sometimes because i think i've i've never been you know i've never watched a video that i didn't enjoy and thought I should tell them that, you know, I've just kind of left it. So yes, my mother it, used to say that to me. If you can't say anything yeah. nice, don't say anything at all. That's that's it, yeah. And it's uh I think that's an adage I live by. So so yeah, it's it's not been too bad. It's more weird when just knowing that people are aware of you is, is quite weird because you know, obviously I'm pretty uh completely unknown and now I've got a bit of a profile and that's that's quite weird, like mm. knowing that. I read that you've got a master's in screenwriting writing and I was wondering yeah. You know, do you watch television and become dismayed by it? <laughs> um, I haven't watched a lot of terrestrial TV in a while because I haven't had one. But um, but I just got back to my parents and I've been watching uh, been watching TV and I've uh, I just I've remembered all that stuff that you know daytime TV and insurance adverts and things I've completely forgotten existed. I don't think I despair. I think I enjoy a lot of stuff. I think I feel quite a lot of pressure to watch a lot of, yeah, there's so much out there now that you can never really catch up with everything. And that's quite stressful. So there's a lot of great comedy and drama that I just haven't seen yet because I don't have time. And that is kind of a shame because that should be my job, you know, should be watching as much as possible. Um, but it is tough. I, I get that. And I, yeah. I just wonder whether with a master's in screenwriting, and I know you're so busy, but do you see at one point, do you fancy writing a, a drama or writing a movie? Can you see? You yeah. Doing something like that? No, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things that kind of one day sort of idea might happen. But um, uh, I mean, I, I know, I, you know, I've written a couple of, of sitcom pilots and things and, um, you know, the, the, the way these things work is it, it's it's difficult to get stuff made. But but yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to um, to do that one day. I think right now I'm kind of focused more on uh, comedy and live comedy. But yeah, it feels like something I'd have to really sit down and concentrate on, which I'm quite bad at. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what sure, about Ed sure. Edinburgh this year? Will you be playing Edinburgh? I will, yeah. I'm doing um, uh, I'm doing a run of my stand-up show, Eleanor Morton Has Peaked, which is on every day apart from Tuesdays at Monkey Barrel at 12.40. And I'm doing um, the Craig the Tour Guide. I'm doing a one-off show on the 15th at The Stand. Um of him which is the first time I've done anything of, of that live so it's going to be interesting <laughs> uh and I've kind of set myself up for a uh, for trouble because I I've realized I, I now I have to write two shows I have to write two hours wow um, yeah that's so a, that's a lot of time to fill <laughs> yeah but uh hopefully it should be all right I'm, I'm hoping Craig will have some fans in so they'll be excited to see him and and that'll cover any any patches but I'm doing my best. For anyone who's not seen your Twitter feed, where, if they're listening now, where can they actually go to? Uh, I am at Eleanor Morton on Twitter, but I'm all, it's also all on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. Um, also just Eleanor Morton. So if you put my name into any of those, I think I should show up. Um, if you can't be bothered, you know, scrolling through my Twitter, it's all, in, it's all on YouTube. So that's a bit easier. Thank you very much for chatting to us. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Care, Supporting London Scots with financial grants, welfare advice, counselling, sheltered housing, 
jobs coaching and family support.